Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi guys, and welcome back to Let's Review RN. Today I'm going to talk about a complication that is seen in type 2 diabetes called HHNS. This stands for hyperosmolar hyperglycemic non-ketotic syndrome. This is a life-threatening complication of diabetes mellitus similar to DKA or diabetic ketoacidosis, but with HHNS you have extremely, I'm talking very high blood sugar levels. You will absolutely see hyperglycemia and DKA with blood glucose levels greater than 300 millimoles per liter. But in HHNS, we see glucose levels greater than 600, and they can absolutely be above 1,000. Because of the significantly high levels of glucose circulating through the blood, it creates a concentrated state, which is hyperosmolarity. This hyperosmolarity then creates a state of osmosis where fluid will move out of the cell to the higher concentration of molecules in the vascular system because of the large amounts of glucose creating dehydration and confusion. Electrolytes will also migrate from intracellular to extracellular, causing an electrolyte imbalance. You do not see fat metabolism for fuel in HHNS, and therefore there is no ketones in the blood, and this does not create a high acidic environment. Type 2 diabetes or diabetics have too much circulating glucose in the blood, and the body either does not make enough insulin or they have trouble utilizing the insulin that they do make to use up the excess glucose. HHNS occurs when the blood sugar of a person with diabetes becomes too high for a very long time. Again, you will not see a breakdown or metabolism of fat for fuel like you do in DKA, because the body has just enough insulin to fuel the cells, but not utilize all the circulating glucose. Similarly to DKA, in HHNS, the high levels of glucose circulating in the bloodstream then trigger the tubules of the kidneys to stop reabsorbing glucose, and therefore they dump the glucose into the urine. When glucose is dumped into the urine, this then causes osmotic diuresis, meaning fluid follows the high concentration of molecules which are being poured out into the urine and water follows that glucose. Therefore, you get diuresis or excess urination. Patients will have polyuria or frequent urination leading to further dehydration. So again, to review, you have significantly elevated blood glucose levels, which is known as hyperglycemia. You have just enough insulin circulating and being able to utilize the glucose to fuel the body. Therefore, the body does not turn to fat metabolism for fuel, and you do not have ketone buildup, which then does not cause metabolic acidosis like it does in DKA patients. You will see spilling of glucose and osmotic diuresis in these patients, just like DKA patients. You can remember HH 
high hyperglycemia, which correlates with the HH in HHNS. DKA is seen in type 1 diabetics who ultimately have no insulin that can be used to fuel the cells. And type 2 diabetics will experience HHNS because, again, they have just enough insulin to fuel the cells and prevent the body from entering ketosis. Now, let's talk about why HHNS occurs in type 2 diabetics and what these patients will present like. The main reason for HHNS is due to illness or infection and is more likely to occur in the elderly patient. HHNS occurs gradually. Patients will present with extremely high glucose levels greater than 600 and sometimes even greater than 1,000 millimole per liter. The glucose levels may not even register on the AccuCheck machine and it may require venous blood draw for an accurate glucose reading. They will have polyuria because of osmotic diuresis, meaning glucose, again, is spilled into the urine and water follows that glucose, leading to dehydration. Because of dehydration, they will have polydipsia, meaning increased thirst, and they do this to replenish the fluid loss. We will see fatigue, dry mucous membranes, fevers, and because of significant dehydration, you can even see confusion and possibly seizures. Nursing interventions for HHNS focus on the goal of hydrating the patient with IV fluids as well as decreasing their blood sugar through IV insulin. You will start with normal saline, 0.9% most often, which is an isotonic solution, and then IV fluids may even be switched to half normal saline, 0.45%, or a IV fluid that contains 5% dextrose. And this is added so that it prevents rapid drops in the blood glucose level, which the patient or the brain cannot tolerate. So rapid correcting of the blood glucose levels can cause fluid shifts and cerebral edema and can result in increased intracranial pressure. When insulin drips are initiated, you will start out with AccuChecks usually every 15 minutes and titrate the insulin dose to the blood sugar level. Remember, 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 the only insulin you can give via a drip or intravenously is regular insulin. Just like in DKA, you want to monitor electrolyte balance, specifically potassium levels, because as fluid and glucose is re-entering the cell, so are the electrolytes that have been circulating through the bloodstream. This can cause a disturbance of electrolyte balance and you can end up with hypokalemia. The patient will likely need potassium replacement. With potassium replacement, we want to assess for EKG changes, monitor the renal function because if they have renal insufficiency, they can't excrete potassium like those who have normal renal function. And we also want to check for phlebitis because intravenous potassium can cause local irritation at the site of infusion. Lastly, we want to educate. We need to educate our patients on the importance of controlling their diabetes through diet, exercise, and medication compliance, as well as continuous glucose glucose checks and reporting elevated blood sugar levels that are not responding to treatment. I know that DKA and HHNS sound so similar, and yet they're different, and it's very confusing. So next week, I'm going to have a podcast that talks directly about the differences and similarities and compare DKA and HHNS side by side. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Again, if you have time, rating and reviewing is 
wonderful. I love hearing from you guys. And you can always reach me at Instagram handle Let's Review RN. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.